what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. When that alarm clock goes off on Sunday morning, don't yield your body to the sin nature and hit the snooze button. You yield yourself unto God and you go ahead and get on up out of that bed. And when you do, the devil says, oh no, he's up up again. He's on the move again. And then you come to church. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. And how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings chapter 20. Move down if you will to verse 31. 1 Kings 20 verse 31. And his servants said unto Abinadad, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, Is he yet alive? He is my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him, and did hastily catch it, and they said, Thy brother, Benadad. Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Benadad came forth to him, and Ahab caused him to come up into his chariot. And Benadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father I will restore, and thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. And I want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning, preaching a few minutes. The unscriptural covenant. If you've heard me preach any number of times, you've heard me make the statement that if you're not struggling with something, chances are you're not saved. The statement is true, but I want to clarify some things at the outset of the message today. The key word there is struggle. In other words, you've identified a weakness in your life, and you're trying with everything within you to do as Jesus said, deny yourself, take up the cross daily, and follow Him, to follow the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's what I mean by struggle. It is a struggle of faith. Paul said before he died, I have fought a good fight, a good fight of faith. And that is the struggle, that is the fight, ladies and gentlemen, that God has called us to fight. 
But some have taken my statement and they use it as an excuse. Brother James says that there's going to be a struggle and I'm struggling with this thing and that's just the way it's going to be. It is not God's will for you to accept any kind of thing that you're struggling with. And we're on dangerous grounds, ladies and gentlemen, when we begin to accept certain things about ourselves that we know God's not pleased with. So get the idea out of your mind that it's okay for me to struggle with this right here. It is not. You are on the razor edge of making a covenant with sin, and that's not good. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And my friend, sooner or later you will pay the price. You cannot stay on a level with sin. Sin drags down and it will totally destroy you if you play with it. It's a deadly business. It's killed every single human being that's ever lived and will continue to do so till Jesus comes. So you don't mess around with sin and don't think it's okay. I'm struggling with this right here and that's the way it's going to be. It doesn't have to be that way. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talked about how you and I, when we identify with Christ, when we place our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, he talks about how we are dead to sin. He talked about how we are baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized into his death, buried with him by baptism into death, and raised with him to walk in a newness of life. The word baptized means to come into union with. You come into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, in the mind of God, when Jesus Christ died on Calvary, the old man, the old you, died with him. When Jesus was buried in that tomb, all of your sins, everything you've ever done was not pleasing to God, was buried in that tomb with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit, the most powerful force in all the universe, now lives and dwells on the inside of you. Glory to God. And Paul said, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, the word sin here is used as a noun. Most of the time when we say the word sin, we think of acts of sin. And it covers a wide ocean front. But Paul is not talking about acts of sin. The word sin is used here as a noun. Matter of fact, 
in the original Greek, there is what is known as the definite article before sin. And actually it says, let not the sin reign in your mortal body. He pictures the sin nature as a king sitting upon a throne, ruling and reigning, calling the shots. And Paul said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. God does not want sin to reign in your life. It is the Holy Spirit of God that is supposed to rule and reign in your heart and life. And He does it as you maintain your faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. He said, verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto the sin nature. The members of your physical body, your arms, your legs, your eyes, your ears, your tongue. You don't yield the members of your physical body to the sin nature. He used the word instrument there. When Paul used that word, he was thinking of the, the, the instruments of war that a Roman soldier would use when he's fighting battles. If you yield the members of your physical body over to the sin nature, then Satan will use your own body as a weapon against you instruments neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto god as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto god yield yourself to god in other words when that alarm clock goes off on Sunday morning, don't yield your body to the sin nature and hit the snooze button. You yield yourself unto God and you go ahead and get on up out of that bed. And when you do, the devil says, oh, no, he's up again. Up again. <laughs> he's on the move again. You yield yourself to God. And then you come to church. Then he said in verse 14, For sin, again the definite article, for the sin, speaking of the sin nature, for the sin nature shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. The sin nature is not to have dominion over you. You are to have dominion over it. And he said, you're not under law, but you're under grace. That's something that a lot of Christians don't understand. Grace. They didn't understand it in Paul's day. That's why Paul comes back with the question following this verse. I'll deal with that in a minute. Grace. What is grace? There are two aspects of God's grace. Of course, there are probably many aspects. I want to deal with two here for a minute. 
First of all, you have umbrella grace. In other words, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they fell from God. They sinned. They were separated from God. God said, in the day that you partake of that fruit and eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And God could have pronounced judgment right then on the spot. But instead, he sent his son. Sent his son into this world to live a perfect life. And to die on Calvary to take your place. And he did it for every single human being that would ever live. That includes you. That includes me. Everybody. That is the grace of God. Some of you today, if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ coming into your heart and life, you'd be laying out here in this cemetery with moss growing over your tombstone. But for the grace of God, God fingered around your heart one day and you accepted Him as your Savior. That's grace. But there's another aspect of grace that I want to talk about, and it's the grace of God as it pertains to our everyday life and living. It is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit upon the heart of an individual, and its reflection can be seen in the life. Say that again. The Greek word for grace there is charis. And it means the divine influence, divine influence, the power of the Holy Spirit. Divine influence upon the heart. It's an inward work as the Holy Spirit works down on the inside of you. And it's reflection in the life. I've given this illustration many times, but... I'll do it again because we have people tuning in and out, and it's been a while since I've given it. But you can get out here on 264 Highway and go to Raleigh, and that speed limit says 65, 75, whatever it is. And I'm going down the road the other day, and I'm going 75, and there are people passing me like I'm sitting on jacks. I mean, just wide open. I go on up the road a little ways, and there's a state trooper sitting over there on the side of the road, and boy, they hit them brake lights. No need for me to hit my brake lights because I'm driving like I ought to. But when they see that state trooper, them brake lights come on. They didn't, they, they didn't pay the sign any attention. That's law. But grace is when you put a state trooper right there at that sign. And that's when you hit the brakes. The Holy Spirit is the state trooper within our hearts and lives. And he causes us to hit the brakes when we need to. Are you hearing me? The Holy Ghost state trooper causing you to hit those brakes. When you need to. That's grace. You're not under law. You're under grace. What then? Verse 15. Shall we sin? Because we're not under law but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants. 
ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You have the choice. You decide whether you're going to yield yourself to sin or whether you're going to yield yourself to God. You make the choice. But God be thanked, verse 17, that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. That's faith. You have obeyed from the heart. That's faith. That form of doctrine, that form of doctrine is the cross. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That form of doctrine which was delivered you. The message of the cross has been delivered to you and I. And it's that same message that delivers you and I. Glory to God. It is that same message that delivers you and I. God will deliver. Whatever it is that you're struggling with today, and you may have been struggling with it for years, God will deliver you. Well, Brother James, you just don't know how strong it is. You don't know how long I've struggled with this thing. It, 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 it's, it's powerful. There's nothing any more powerful than what Jesus Christ did at Calvary and the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, God wants to deliver you. Tens of thousands of Syrian soldiers have surrounded Israel and they're woefully outnumbered. And God sent a prophet, 1 Kings 20, verse 13. There came a prophet unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Hast thou seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into thine hand this day, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. I will deliver you. Ahab, the most wicked, ungodly king that ever graced the throne. Here's a man that married Jezebel and was so influenced by her that he caused all of Israel to worship Baal. And because of this, Elijah came and said, There will not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And for three and a half years it did not rain, and Ahab witnessed all of that. After three and a half years, Elijah called them all to the top of Mount Carmel and he called fire down out of heaven upon his altar. And Ahab witnessed this great miracle. Ahab. He walks in his house one day soaking wet, not a dry thread on it. Because Elijah prayed for it to rain. And the rain fell. Here's a man that saw all of these mighty acts of God. But yet, he still serves Baal. How wicked is that? To see such miracles 
and still reject God. God had every right to let those Syrians come in and just wipe them off the face of the earth and start over. But for the grace of God, God came on the scene and said, I will deliver you. And I'm here to tell you today that God will deliver you too. But you don't make an unscriptural covenant with sin because the wages of sin is death. He said, I will deliver you and you'll know that I'm the Lord. God fulfilled on his promise. He empowered 232 princes of the provinces anointed them to work above and beyond their ability and they threw and they slew thousands of Syrian soldiers won a great victory but wait a minute just because you win one victory that don't mean it's all over with now it's downhill with the wind at your back. I'm never going to have another problem. No, Satan always comes back again. He'll come back again and again and again. The Bible says at the return of the year, here come Benadad again with his soldiers. His thinking was, you know, when we had that last battle, we were up there on the mountain. And that God there serving, he's the God of the mountain, but he ain't the God in the valley. We're going to fight him down in the valley. So he gathered the Syrians down there around Aphek and the battle begins again and God sent the man of God again. First Kings 20 verse 28. The man of God came and said to the king of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys. I will deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and you'll know that I am the Lord. And in verse 29, the Bible says that children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. Again, God fulfilled on his promise. I said God fulfills on his promise. Let me tell you, every promise in this book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm standing on his word divine because every promise in the book is mine. This book says that I'm healed. I'm standing on the promises. Glory to God. Some of you are just here standing on the premises, but I'm standing on the promises. Glory to God. Standing on the promises. And one of his promises is that you do not have to be in bondage to the sin nature. He will deliver you if you will maintain your faith in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did at Calvary. The power of the Holy Spirit will work in your life and set you free. Benadad's army is destroyed. I mean, there's nothing left. He has nothing, no way to defend himself. There is nothing that can stop Ahab and Israel from going in and just taking over the land. God gave them an opportunity of a lifetime. 
but he didn't take advantage of it. And being a dad, I got to do something. If we don't do something, he's thinking now. Ahab and Israel's going to come in and take over. What, what in the world are we going to do? And his servant said, we've heard that the kings of Israel are merciful kings. As a child of God, as children of God, as the church of God, we should have that same reputation with the world that we are merciful because our God is merciful but not when it comes to sin. You don't make a covenant with sin. But they heard that the kings of Israel were merciful kings and they dressed themselves up in garments of humility. Don't be deceived by the outward appearance of things, people. Satan makes it look so good. What happened? Y'all come on back next week and I'll tell you. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.